Welcome back to the Soul Savvy's Podcast. I'm your host, Q Lynn. Back another episode. And we have a special guest on. Had to get him on because he's on now. Fantastic singer. Upcoming singer. She has an upcoming. He also will be featured on the upcoming Bravo TV Network show that will be uh, featuring SWV and Escape. Queens of Armageddon. Y'all give it up right now. Jay Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great that I'm seeing you. It's, uh, I, I have so many questions for you, but I don't want to overwhelm. I'd be kind of excited talking to real songwriters, especially upcoming songwriters that have, have a really great ear, have a really great, uh, just, just a really great opera. I, I can see that the way you're developing your skills, you're going to be fantastic. I'm like, if you're this great, but we'll get into that later while talking about your upcoming EP and this, but start off excited because i love like real street and usually my interviews i start off asking uh the musical genesis of an artist kind of blasphemous hopefully the the saints don't be for calling it that but i like to get delve into sort of the how says in terms of childhood uh what do you remember in terms of your taste of music uh your music range growing up? Oh, it was strictly really R&B. Um, when I was younger, I didn't listen to much hip hop or rap. It was mostly R&B. So, you know, the Destiny's Child, Beyonce, Kelly Rowland, Guy, you know, a lot of 90s influences. Um, of course, with my mom being within that whole realm. Um, that's really what I grew up with. And those are, that's where my roots are. And I feel like that's where my, um, my songwriting techniques come from. Right. And when I say musical taste, so it's just mostly R&B, like groups like, like you. If y'all didn't know, Jay is the son of uh, Cheryl Coco Gamble the, of the trio SWV and his grandmother's the legendary Miss Lady Tibba Gamble, a famed uh, background vocalist for Sylvester Al Green, Lou Rawls, uh, sung with Freddie Jackson and the list goes on. I, I don't really want to bring it up in this interview because, you know, it's, 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 you know, common. I'm sure he they talk about a lot in other interviews, but I don't want to harp on uh, that too much. I wanted to more it can get uh, in terms of the range of the taste. So it was mostly R&B, you said. Uh, did you venture out with any other genre? Or was this mostly R&B? Uh, really just R&B. I didn't start venturing out into like the hip hops and things of that nature until maybe like my eighth grade year of middle school. Um, but even then, it wasn't really that much. Um, I say now I probably listen to a wider variety of different genres. But for the most part, when I was growing up, it was strictly R&B. What came first for you when, in terms of how you listened to music when you were growing up? Was it the, the lyrics first or was it the rhythm, the beat? Uh, I'm a sucker for a good beat. <laughs> I didn't really start paying attention to lyrics until maybe recently. But I'm a sucker for a good beat. I, a beat for me is what kind of like makes a song. What era of music sticks out for you I was saying that uh, certain age ranges from like 10 to 11, I realized that that's when it sticks for certain, not necessarily a certain demographic. I would just say from those nine to 12 years, uh, certain eras out. Like for me, I was an 80s fan. So a lot of Melissa Morgan, Shaka Khan, Mickey Howard, Stephanie Mills, that's sort of what I get to because that was the era I came from is there a certain era that sticks out for you in terms of I guess it would be kind of related to the musical taste question but is there an era that sticks out for you that you stick with definitely in the 90s I feel like that was like peak R&B music like that's when R&B really peaked 
And I just feel like that's when music was like, it meant something for real, for real. Like nobody was just putting out mediocrity. It really meant something. So the 90s that I feel like that's just, it always sticks with me. Like, I feel like I should have grew up in the 90s. That's how much like I feel for it. <laughs> great era, not even just the harp on how great SW is, because I know that people would, that's by it's they were really that group because uh, during that time period, 91, 92, just to give a little musical background for those that are not aware, Uptown with Andre Harrell kind of ushered in the hip hop and R&B form. And with that came Joe to see with that came I'll Be Sure with that kind of lined up with Mary J. Blige with her debut album. And with that particular time period, nobody had that had that sound yet except for SWV and I always say SWV's uh, debut Mary's debut and intro's debut they're all first cousins to me because they all came out around the same time Mary said it like I said Mary said it off but uh when SWV S, uh Mary and intro what I was referencing is more uh, not to confuse the audience SWV they didn't have they they had their own set of producers uh, they were all on the different labels like Mary's was under Uptown, SWV's was under MCA Records, and uh, Etro's was under Atlantic Records. So they, but uh, I, I'm more referencing Mary and Intro had the same producers on and songwriters on their album, like uh, Kenny Green wrote on Mary's album, Dave Hall producing uh, Super Cat. Uh, just to just to be clear to the audience, so they're not confused. But those two, I, I say they are related because they had the hip hop and R&B connection. But uh, really, uh, Mary and Intro's first album are you could say they're 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 brothers and sisters. But I believe SWV is a, a first cousin to those two albums, in in my opinion. Yeah, I take a my, my I take a lot of my inspiration from the 90s um never be has like lyric wise a lot of 90s um elements i just like how back then you kind of had to think about what somebody was really singing about <laughs> they didn't ever really say anything off back like i feel like nowadays everything is so straightforward and that's cute and all but i mean i'd like to give a little bit of depth to whatever song i'm writing so everything I do comes from the 90s for the most part right okay I know you were born in the early 2000s I'm just curious because I'm always interested in the answer because my the, the the question I'm referencing like uh, is more related to the musical kind like, uh, like my first purchase of uh, of an album was on cassette tape <laughs> and so I'm curious on oh, what was your this? It was uh, just to, so I can see what era and how that uh, capillates you. Uh, I feel like the earliest memory is probably um, Rihanna's Umbrella. I used to listen to that song okay. heavily when I was younger. In terms of, uh, like, was it on, was your first i guess your first uh it was like an ipod, was the iPod. what was your first yeah. so so your first um i don't know the word for it. i'm trying to think of the word for it because mine is a cassette player that was my first bitch induction iPod. so was your up so it was the little the little ipod thing okay yeah so that was like the first generation i think the ipods um see it's always interesting looking at it from someone's viewpoint that's younger because as we usher into new technology and the technology now, a lot of people don't know how to progress to that. And I like to talk to people younger just to get an aspect. And it feels like you're getting uh, stuff of the old and the, the classic stuff and, and also your own new thing. And I was kind of getting into that, getting into your single, Never Be. When I listened to it, I isolated the vocals because I got a mixer. It's, it's the musician in me. I do it all the time when I go to practice. Okay. And uh, your your bottom notes on here, hopefully this comes through perfectly, but 
you have these bottom notes on here that are just crazy. You came to me, made it hard for me, but I can't trust someone. So baby, please be, and you could never be, never be. I'm just gonna play a little bit, so and hopefully they came through clear. I hear a lot of bottom notes, just those added. See, I talked to uh, to Marsha Ambrosia, I talked to Bilal, and people think it's, it's so much complexity to making music when it's really not. It's just really based, the, a song is really just based on what the, what's driving the song. Like, for instance, Never Be, the, the song is very, is, is produced by a musician, so the, the baseline is the center focus of the of the song, which is center uh, focus of the production. So with that, he's created so much space to where it gave uh, gives a singer enough room to do whatever they want to do creatively, like what you did with the background notes, uh, the vocal layering. You could be as creative as you want to because the producer created the space in the song to give you that option to do that with the the vocal layering and to me it's just certain notes that stick out like bottom notes do that because it adds to me it adds so much richness to a song you know and and certain singers like with with lettucey uh certain soprano singers that uh faith evans that have that high pitch that most of the time they're going to have background singers that sing bottom notes because they they're singing at a high range so a lot of times that's the the opposite spectrum of of a note is a, a bottom note and so it just adds so much you know depth to a record when you we have a lot of bottom notes in it i was going to harp on that a little bit in terms of your single never be what made you add what what made you hear that to want to add those different layers of bottom notes and certain nuances with the background what made you want to do that well naturally i tend to like just gravitate towards lower notes. Um, I'm, I just love how they sound. It makes the song sound so rich. Um, and I always like, I listen to other artists and um, I'm like, ooh, see if this was my song, I would add it this, this, that, and a fourth. And I feel like just listening to so much music right? and being okay, taking from different artists and being like, okay, if this is my song, put my own spin on it. When it came time for me to actually get into the studio, it was so much easier for me to actually just come up with the notes. Like I had, before I even went into the studio, when I wrote the song, I was coming up with different um, like melodies and different like notes and stuff. So when I went in, I knew what to do. And off back, those bottom notes came out. Like that was like the first note that I ever sung. And I'm just, a, I'm a sucker for low notes. Like it just makes a song sound so much better than what it probably would have sounded without the low note. Yes, it it absolutely does. And to me, the texture of it, it it's just the tech it just adds so much texture to a song. And a lot of people don't do that in music or even have the foresights at times of your I feel like you have perfect pitch. Do you have perfect pitch? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Cause only person with perfect pitch can most of the time, you get with perfect pitch to the listen to the audience that don't know is actual term. You that means you can actually hear the note before before it's even sung. You know exactly where it's supposed to be. You're either the lead vocal or the background vocal. You know exactly what it is when you hear it. In terms of uh, that single, uh, what what is that the sort of the progressor of what the e uh, the EP is going to sound like? is sort of that vein or are you giving variety with the ep uh, my ep is more so like i like to say it's my introduction into the music industry um it's very old school meets modern hip, not hip-hop r&b and pop so never be is a little taste of what's to come but i have like a, um i'd like to call it a ballad on there i have like some up tempos um i have a song where i'm just talking my sugar honey iced tea like I, I want to show that I have range and I have variety. So the EP that never be is definitely a little taste of what's to come very soon. 
Man, it sounds. What what is it particular about the influences? If uh, uh, the backward, the layer vocaling is that a part of it? Like the the brick Annie's and the Jasmine Sullivan in particular about your influence? Because I'm always curious. For me, just being a student of music, my artists all the way back, back. I was I was curious if you track back your favorite singers, favorite singers, because that's sort of. The develop. I feel like your ear develops better when you can track. You keep tracing the sort of the musical dot. Those artists, like with Jasmine Sullivan, I hear a lot of jazz influence, a lot of Sarah, a lot of Ella Fitzgerald, certain nuance, certain notes, and not sell, not necessarily a vocal replicate of that artist. It's just those little nuances, just like with Jill Scott. A lot of uh, and Legacy as well. A lot of those jazz influences. Do you ever track back? those artists your favorite artists influences usually no uh but i think just because i listen to such a wide variety of artists i probably have listened to them already uh but for the most part no i kind of just pull from my inspirations kind of tweak it put my own spin on it and make it my own you know that's so dope you said that and your voice it is very unique i don't and I'm not just saying that, I know that's an overused word, but your voice, it has such a pureness to it. And it's just, again, with your, um, your, your musical back, your, with your in-house influence by your, your mother and your grandmother, the both legendary artists. I know a lot of people say you're, you have those nuances with their voice, but I realized about all three of you is that your pitch, you're on top of the note. A lot of people can't do that, and I can just uh, just uh, I, I said I wasn't gonna mention your your <laughs> your family, but I guess it's it's uh, kind of hard not to. But with your mother's voice, Coco's voice, she her I can recognize the the nuance with her mother because she sings full voice, and your mother kind of has that falsetto, crazy falsetto, and I, I've been trying to find all the background vocals that your grandmother was a part of well the one she did with sylvester uh, sell my soul uh the 1980 record her pitch was right up there with sylvester's and that's sort of how they did back in the day in terms of finding uh vocalists was if they had similar pitch her pitch was the same when she would go right for him her pitch was the exact same and say with your your uh coco they're they're on top of the note it's hard to explain it to people that are not you're you're an artist so you understand yeah. it understand they're on top of the note but uh -huh. they're so different because your grandmother's falsetto but it's about the same but your mother can do a full voice that's what but your 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 tone and texture the way you stay, a lot of artists can't do that. And you have a lot of inner, I, I feel the way you sing is from your diaphragm and you probably need all that energy when you perform live, I'm sure. But what what was that like? Was it something that was taught to you or was it just something that you developed as you got older? Honestly, I say that my voice is a gift from God. I literally did not start singing publicly until maybe four years ago my like my mom didn't even know that I have pipes on me so wow. yeah it was kind of just uh I wanted to sing on social media because I wanted followers and it turned into this I ended up falling in love with it um so none of this was really taught I mean when I, once I started singing publicly of course my mom started coaching me but for the most part I had a lot I listened to a lot of music so Internally, I feel like I was preparing myself for this moment. I was picking up different techniques without knowing I was doing so. That's dope. Uh, the next question I had in terms of your it's where do you see it going? Do you ever play with to see how far you could go in your in your octave or just play with play with that to see how far you go uh, uh, with your vocal range? Have you ever played with that? Oh, yeah, I definitely play with my range. Um, I can sing falsetto. I can hit some high notes. I just don't because it's not always the most comfortable. Um, that is where I would 
go and get a vocal coach and try to figure out how to like hit those notes and it be healthy for my voice. Uh, but I definitely have a little bit of range and um, I plan on showing that more so along, you know, my musical journey. Next question, and then I'm going to get to your YouTube content, is mostly about artists. What is it? I wouldn't say Mount Rushmore, but I feel like people that ran with it. Uh, hey, I guess I'd be. What was your, the top three vocalists? And I know it's hard to narrow down to three, but when you hear their voice, the and vocal range, uh, vocal ability, just when you hear their voice, you like, that's a singer. Who who's those three for you? Well, I gotta say Beyonce, of course. I say her every interview. She's probably my number one behind my mother inspiration. I'm not gonna put her in this top three because that's a given. <laughs> but Beyonce, Jasmine Sullivan, um, can I say Whitney Houston? Yes, Whitney. Again, just tracing back her voice to uh, who I seen, who her inspiration was. Of course, Aretha Franklin, but Dion Ward. People, to those that don't know, uh, you can look up YouTube videos of Dion Ward and her prime. It's when I watch those videos, it's like, oh, this is Whitney, because Dion had. I called them. I called Dion Ward and Luther Vandross. I called them vocal. Olympic experts in terms of the way they approached the song. It was never rushed. It was the whole arrangement. They're taking the time with the, like what a, a, a track athlete does when they get ready to pace, like when they're doing that, that meter run and they're getting ready to hand a baton. They're not, you know, it's not till they get to that last person. That's when they're, they're giving their own. And that's how they approach that's what Whitney does. That's what Diablo does. They take their time. That old saying that they used to say in church, take your time. Like they let the song breathe. It's in right. minutes of the pro. I say, uh, I've got nothing. Whitney's best vocal performance because she's constantly pacing through the song and it's, it's just masterful. But when you said Whitney, that's what made me jump out. It was like a vocal, basically vocal limp. Because it's like to have, and, and the thing is, what people do renditions of her songs that the, the true essence of her, once she's you can see her when you watch the live performances, like to she's just playing with the song, like she's ad lipping, she's got it down, she's just waiting to get to those notes. It's, it's just crap to talk about at all day because she's just incredible vocalist when it comes to vocal placement a lot of people don't have that down and i feel like that that makes so much sense why your voice the the pacing of it never be it has those same nuances you have those little t's of an artist a vocalist is supposed to have so but yeah kudos to you on that on that single it's just nominal i think for first single it's it's it turns because i feel like three elements have to work song for it to be good the lyrics the the vocal ability the lyrics and the rhythm the sonic production whether it's live instrumentation or a sonic production all those three things have to align if they don't align then it's not a good record to me it's not and i feel like all three of those things align with your your record never be uh i want to get to your youtube Oh, no problem. No problem at all. Your YouTube content. I want to say I started watching it. I, I'm so low. COVID, post-COVID has me so lost in time. So I don't know. I think it was pre your graduation when I started watching it. Um, some of your videos. I, I, I want to say it was that. Post-COVID got my mind all blogged up. I can't, I can't tell Monday from Tuesday. I want to say it was pre your graduation when you were, were fixing to do that. And I mean how it's evolved and it's so immaculate, your 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 graphics, your videos, the, the editing, the where it's at now, I think is so dope. And I never really watched those videos. I, I watch blogs 
but I don't really sit and watch people's content like that. But yours kind of intrigued me more so. I was interested in your viewpoint in terms of post-graduation and I just sort of followed that your journey with that and adjusting to uh college and your being just the videos that you would share I would just do that but now watching your content you you have such a vast uh knowledge of things and uh it's also comforting watching you clean your house i've never really done it but i was like oh he does the same things it, it was like busy like watching somebody do the same things i do because there's certain things that bug me especially if you have kids in the house or you have a thing with you like you like things to pursue away and it bogs oh, i hate when people is just certain things like leaving dishes in the sink with water that drives me crazy what what made was that i know you said that was a thing that you did when you were younger but does that just to progression it just with you just those habits of cleanliness and organization yeah i've just been really obsessed with just being organized and cleaning um that's actually how i cope with certain things like if i'm just not feeling good i go clean like i go find something to organize like it's kind of comforting in a way so Man, I, I, 100%, when you did the video of cleaning uh, your refrigerator, I was like, this guy is me. This is, this is great. Now, see, I, I felt comforted that I wasn't the only person that did this stuff. I was like, this is me all, all day. I'm in, cause I, cause the thing is, I'm going from, I, I'm on gigs most of the time, and I'm on like 10 C4s. And so I'm gone for a month or two months at a time. So I like my house completely clean before I come to it. So, so come to a plain house, it's smooth, you ain't got to take trash out, you ain't got to do none of that. It's such a comforting feeling. What is, is there anything particular about your audience that you just and try to, I guess, critique it for the next video that they either mention in your comments, just take them on, or do you just ignore it and just want to do? I do read my, I, the only comments I like to read are my useful comments because they're usually the most positive. <laughs> Um, I can't say that about all my social media, but my YouTube comments are my favorite kind of comments to read because um, it's so positive, so uplifting. They typically don't leave comments about like things I need to improve for the most part. They usually leave like recommendations like somebody wanted me to start cooking more. So I did. But I can typically tell what people like and what they don't like based on my views. Um, there's like a whole... <laughs> YouTube, it's so much depth to it. Like I can tell by the watch time and this CPR. It's, it's so much that goes into it. So I can just take a quick look at my analytics, look at them. Oh, this is not how they normally are. Let me not do that content no more because they're not feeling it. That's typically how I like, I, I feel it out. People rarely leave comments on if a video is bad or not. They just, they'll leave a thumbs down. <laughs> do you, do you find it that I mean, the more, like, I guess, nonchalant you are about certain stuff that gets the most views. Like, if you just say something off the cuff, crazy, that's the one where people comment the most. Or the, what you're meticulous about, you've edited it for hours, and that one doesn't get as much as the one where it was just, just a short, sweet, just you being goofy video. Is that sort of your connection with YouTube, or is it different? Um, I think my connection with YouTube is definitely the heavily edited stuff. Um, I've noticed now that I put much more effort into my videos that the views are going up and people are genuinely enjoying them. Um, that's probably the number one comment I've been getting lately is that they're commending me for the amount of, you know, work I'm putting into editing videos. So, you know, I may not feel like doing it, but I know that if I sit down in front of my laptop for the next six hours and edit a vlog, it's going to pay off because people are going to like it. I'm just going to say this now to all the listeners. Jay is not picking me to say none of this, but the way he edits these videos, I can tell there's a lot of effort into it. Just from, because if you, you don't just see a 30 minute or hour video, that hour video probably took maybe two or three days to edit, you know, and it's just maybe 30 minute content, but people see the 
after effect of it and they're like oh this is great keep coming but you've done it consistently because i've been watching you for a, uh, watching it, your youtube channel consistently and you are consistently and i've, I've seen you say it in your youtube uh so a couple of your youtube blogs that you're trying to be more consistent your posting uh of the videos there's something and, and the reason why i brought up uh your cleanliness and your organization and your videos because all that time i feel like all that time with what you're going to be doing with your artist people are not that consistent when it comes to because you already starting to roll out you got the single you got the upcoming ep coming up you and also with the reality show a lot of times it's just to get people engaged is just to serve the platform and then maybe uh in-person connection that's going to tie them and we've already dealt with the bravo show i don't know i was going to trend into talking about joe are you people uh for the audience that doesn't know it's uh like i said in the beginning of the podcast he's going to be featured on the bravo of the queens of rb feature to be an escape are they cool the going to be featuring your story more or is it just i know it's a, about swb and escapes a possible or concert spot date but is it gonna are they gonna feature your story a lot in the upcoming reality I, i'm in the show a lot um i would be very surprised if i'm not in almost every episode okay. that's how much i was filming a lot um i even <laughs> But um, I'm my rehearsals is on there. Uh, I, I'm I'm in the show a lot, uh, so you guys will definitely uh, not be disappointed. What was it of? Because uh, I know reality show people like to say the editing, the editing made me look bad. I know you won't know until it premieres uh, in March. But is there anything behind the scenes that you were observing? That you were like, you know what? I'm gonna take that in terms of just the just how you want to be seen in your likeness and how you want your likeness to be seen. Is there anything particular that you've taken from um shoot down so that you go carry with you in any facet of uh your artistry to do move up work? Yeah, uh, just staying humble and knowing your place. <laughs> That's really it. Um, I feel like once you start getting a little too big-headed, that's that's when things take a turn for the worst. So really just staying humble um, and just staying grounded and not forgetting where you came from. Yeah, you listen, I listen, I was gonna I was gonna say it for later, but at times the visionary you, you seem like you're innovative and you're visionary. I, I seen, I, I'm sure th that your, your performance that you did last year is going to be on the show. I'm sure that to see any, uh, uh, surfacing footages of it. So I'm assuming that's actually not. <laughs> oh, it's not. Oh, okay. It's not so I can ask you. Oh, it's oh okay. <laughs> okay. I think I seen a snippet, a little. I think you posted on Insta Story or somebody that was at the show reposted yes. it in a fight. You give it all production, and I want to get into that more because you seen because it's so much about you that's so multifaceted in such a fantastic way that a lot of people don't have that, and you have it early in your career. And I say that other artists have it because you mentioned Beyonce had that out when they came out but in terms of the visions that you have i've seen you posted i think on twitter talking about live performances but i want to kind of delve deep that is there anything or or maybe it's a learning thing is there anything in particular about your live performances that you or maybe i don't want to get the rest of something you want to keep for a live show but is there anything in particular about doing your first show that you took notes and you probably move forward well uh i feel like in order for you to get better you have to study yourself i know for a fact that when beyonce was coming up i take a lot of my inspo especially for live performances from her um you know she studied each performance and i mean it's almost been a year since my last performance but still to this day i watch that performance every 
other day. Because honestly, it's my first performance, not my favorite. I know what I need to work on. Um, and I know that the next time I step up on the stage, yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be some chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything particular about a live performance in terms of the acoustics? Um, I know you want to do big venues, but uh, in terms of your, because everybody got to start somewhere, in terms of certain lives, do you have like a vision of like a, a, a four six piece band and dancers all that incorporation well but what's it particular that um that's going to interest you moving forward with your live shows in terms of that aspect of because it's pretty much going to be your band and your call if you have a, if you want to get an md or somebody to help you execute your visions live because you seem like you have all those you mentioned beyonce those those certain things have to be aligned a certain way for a live performance to be executed. So I was just curious if you had that vision moving forward in terms of a full like live band, that if dancers are included in that whole show, do you have envisioned that in terms of uh when people I want to go by J. Michael Tick this is type of uh vibe? Definitely um a four to six piece band. Dancers always, uh, I dance a lot in my performances. I choreograph everything, so that's a given. Um, and I have an MD, my producer is thebomb.com. So I pretty much have the recipe for everything. It's just a matter of, okay, I need somebody to give me the opportunity so I can show people what I actually got and what I can bring to the table. After that, it's a piece of cake. Um, I have so many visions as far as like, I already have like the stage set up for when I go on tour. Cause we all know that's gonna happen. So, yeah, I, I like to think in cool. uh, even though I when I did my prior performance, I did about two and a half songs. Um, and currently uh, I have a show put together um, of my EP songs for whenever I, you know, when I start performing those songs, um, I have the dance moves down pack. I practice in my room pretty much every week because um, you, you got to stay ready. So you got to get ready. Um, I'm a person who likes to be prepared for anything somebody could literally call me tomorrow and want me to open for them on tour when my e for when my ep comes out set that up and luckily you know if that ever does happen i'm ready because i have everything already set in stone all i need is the dancers and all i need right. is the band right is there i have this thing i don't want to call it musicians versus singers but Musicians and singers, in terms of working together to do live performances, speak two totally different languages. It's like <laughs> uh, vocalists, they 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 know their notes, so they're like, okay, we're gonna do about the top note, we're gonna do this bottom note. This musicians don't operate totally different. I was just curious on your relationship with musicians. Is there anything particular that that you're looking for? Because you go deal with to get your band is there any particular things that you want them to do or uh because because musicians they sort of it is a lot of egotistical g with musicians rightfully so because they're good but a lot of times they don't know it's a time and place for listen we're not about to share basically we're not going to share for 20 minutes on this song we need you to play the pocket execute with the artist wallets not the extra stuff and then also with background vocalists a lot i was no no diss to any of them they show up to rehearsal not knowing the lyrics not knowing and, and a lot of times they get fired for that musicians as well they get fired for that but there's any particular that you're looking for when it comes to that aspect of your live performances in terms of how you want them to execute your vision i'm very anal about my artistry uh i'm actually i used to play the piano i did the violin in school so i i have those musician uh qualities of my own i even like um on my ep a lot of the songs that are on there i was on the phone with my producer saying okay i want this i want that this is how i want this to sound so mm -hmm. i co-produced a lot on the ep also uh so when it comes to that whole thing um i feel like there'll probably be a little clash because they want to do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. I know in my head, like, I know exactly what I want before I say it. So it's like, I have it up in my head. I just need you to help me bring it to life, which is what I, I even tell my producer. I was like, I got the idea. 
I got the lyrics. I got the 808. I got the bass. I have everything. I just need you to do it for me because I'm not there yet. So, right. It's it's a thing. It's like uh, it's a constant. And y'all sure you'll learn this when you get there. I'm just I'm just giving my little insight. It's just a lot of musicians and understand that they're not the feature artists. They're just there to accompany the artist. And sometimes it's hard to get through those waters because you got a lot of them that want to. They use the which is a great thing. It's a lot of backlists that have you know use that opportunity to do their their own solo work but a lot of times it's top four times uh, musicians kind of focus on they they really play for other musicians so you go come in contact a lot of them that just down for 30 minutes and background vocalists I, I don't really see it that much with them but it's mostly with musicians but that's hilarious that you said that it's a lot of artists that are meticulous just like you that's why it's funny I'm, I'm, I'm saying from the Kelly Prices like I was a big vocalist they're particular Jill Scott show it being behind I get those opportunities to see how meticulous they are about their vision what you're saying that's why it's funny to me because you're doing exactly what these better artists are doing now that's why it's so crazy that you already have it the, the last, I, I want to say the last question I have in terms of just your, oh, because I know you you have your LA fashion that's come soon for you. You have the reality show coming up. In terms of being multi-fat, do you feel pressure to be in a box or, or you're, do you see yourself just just kind of in just being, or is there any pressure at all to be in a box? Because you do so many to do just one thing. Uh, there's no pressure to be in a box, but there's just pressure in terms of just being successful just because of where I'm coming from, who I'm connected to. That's where most of the pressure comes from. But because I do so much as far as YouTube models, sing, I'm about to get into um, producing and, you know, acting. I do so much. So that's not really where the pressure comes from it's more so just okay whatever i i choose to do or whatever things i choose to do you got to do it to the best of your ability and be successful because if not yeah that's not gonna be good right and i think you you have the recipe to do all those things it's like with the bravo ship since you said you're going to be featured a lot that's what it is once you and I say that because I've seen it happen. I've been in this music industry for 17 years. Very uh, professionally doing this for 17 years. I've seen uh, Lizzo, Anderson, PJ Moore, and coming up in the same venues. And we, as we kept progressing in the industry, I seen them go. I see progressors artists. And with your with the show that you're about to be featured on, all the engagement, the following, that's the platform you need. You're already there. Like you said, that you already have the rest you just needed. The, the, I'm just telling you now, that's why I got you on here. Because I knew I ain't going to be able to talk to you once the show hits. And I'm not just hyping it up. I'm not just saying that. I'm just saying that because you're a part of the musical royalty you're the lineage of these royalty that's in fact that's just a common thing that's going to happen in that reality show with that demographic it matches your youtube demographic and the audience that is you're going to get a lot that that's going to be the audience and that show just from i already knew the verses was going to be a hit with swv and escape because it hit over a million as soon as it started i was like this gonna, gonna transfer over to the bravo show so with that audience you already have it and so you're gonna see it it's, it's, it's just a man with your cut out it's gonna be talked about on twitter it's gonna be the most talked about show the clips are gonna resurface it's gonna be on instagram have all i don't know if it's eight or nine episodes all those those episodes just on the vlogs so that's why I was trying to talk to you now. It's gonna be crazy. Cause that's that it's a lot of people's when you when you said you you had the the the, the heart and the soul to do it, just a few with 
that's a God thing. That's a divine timing thing. And since you're tapped into that and you're focused in your purpose, now everything that you're supposed to have, you're supposed to, is going to happen because you're supposed to have it. Right. And glad that I get to talk to somebody with this much innovative energy to execute the ideas that they first see. It is when you get the vision and then you get people around you, which you seem like you have with the producer. Shouts to Michael Curtis, man. He's fantastic. Uh, bass player. Also his brother, Eric Williams. They're crazy. I, I've been, it's, it's a musician community. It's been so, that, I, I was in it though, but yeah, Michael, he, oh, oh my God, that guy performing live to the listening audience. Just he's go crazy. see him, what, whoever, whoever he's back and forth, facing a Joe to see. Don't, it, it, just, it felt like he having sex with the instrument. I don't want to be too graphic, but if, I'm like, what is going on? But we're going to talk about, I want to give him a little Talk about that. That's something you have. You already have the team in place. It's just a matter of the platform and the connection in which with the new Brockdown, make sure everybody tune into that. The last question I have, what is it about your doing? I said you're faceted. Is there anything else that you want to tap into that you haven't tapped into yet? Um, I definitely want to get into, uh, you know, the business world. Uh, I've already kind of tapped into that already with the YouTube, but I actually want to like have my own businesses, um, you know, working on something with my mother, um, clothing line. Uh, I don't really wear nails anymore, but, you know, nail polish line. Um, I, I just want to do so much um, with the business side, because in my opinion, that's where the real money is at. Oh, absolutely. The music. The people understand about the music business because I get so many emails from upcoming artists or musicians saying, how do I get a gig? How do I get that? You understand about this business. It's mostly business because if you're talented, that'll be evident whenever whatever, whoever books you, whether it's a corporate gig, if you're doing uh, the BT Awards or they've already seen what you can do. It's a matter of the business and how you negotiate it. And a lot of times people focus more on it on the talent part when it's the business okay you want to be a musician artist if you put in music and you don't plan on touring which i'm so glad you said you mentioned it of live performances and wanting to execute those visions because a lot of times people put out music and have no intention of performing a lot how do you expect to have a growing audience if they don't see you anywhere they don't see you at a show of course you got to get an agent or book an agent or manager to put that in place for you so you can grow your audience but if you're putting out music and to the list i'm just saying to all those that keep sending me those emails if you're not planning on performing these live or just have some kind of set list then you're wasting your time with music it's just a waste of time because you wasted the resources to create it however much you spent on production i know you could do it from home but either way you're wasting your time what we're talking conversation and is the preparation for the business and what Jay is the preparation what his vision what he perceives it to be and I think it's amazing that you have all this already and a great team behind you which I know what you do you all those things in place you're you're set you everything and it's but like I said I, I saw Andre, I saw them grinding. Like PJ Morton started from scratch. He had a whole different R&B identity. He wasn't even doing that kind of R&B when he first started. I lived on him, bro, at live shows and kept getting audience. You're inclined to do all those things because your your taste and your your ability is immaculate. I just have to reiterate that, and I feel like everything that your vision, which whatever you envision is going to happen because it's supposed to, that's what you were destined to do. And I ain't going to hold you up too long. I play this game with all the guests. It's called the what's wrong with you game. It's pretty much my own judgment game. I see a lot of people says versus try to curate this list, but this list I did about steps ago because it's not necessarily artist comparison. I just want to know who you play on your playlist more. It's the either or but it's not art vocal comparison. It's just mostly who do you play more on your playlist? And okay. 
I'm a the first first artist on the list is Marvin Gaye or Teddy Pendergrass. Um, Teddy. Okay. You know, you get bonus points because a lot of people say Marvin when they play this game. You get bonus. Uh, <laughs> the next one is it may I don't know if I'll, I'm dating it back too much, but I, I I'm just curious on if you listen to them. the Whispers or the OJ's. Mm. Whispers. <laughs> plus, plus 75 points right there. A lot of people pick the OJs, but the Whispers not the hints to stick like grits. It stick like cold grits. Whispers, they got a catalog. You know, man, you just got you just you just moved up on my Kendrick Spirit list, right? The musical Kendrick Spirit list, right? Right there. Okay, next one. Rick James or Prince. There, there we go those are all trick questions by the way either one you would have went with you would have got it right i make up the rules as i go it's it's a it's based on what i what i like or whatever so it's very judgmental uh but you would talk right you got you know i didn't care which one but you got bonus with the whispers and pendergrass because a lot of people don't pick that when we play this game but now we're at the part of the game i kind of take you on close to ride now, now we have the part of the game where you gotta get all these right, or you get away without you. No pressure. Uh, <laughs> kind of. I, I get nervous when we get to this part upright, and then they just they just drift off and reroute like a GPS. But uh, <laughs> this next one is Michael Jackson's "Off the Wall" or "Thriller." Um. I personally like Off the Wall better. Okay. You got, you didn't get that all, all on that. Got it right. Okay, next one. Miss Patty LaBelle. Miss Patty LaBelle or Aretha Franklin. Patty LaBelle. <laughs> yep. You talking right. You talking right. I'll, I'll, I was hoping you said Miss Patton. Okay. Hey, the next one. Why May Night or Babyface? Babyface. Okay. You ace it right now. You, you, you're probably <laughs> the ace that, that just, just, just go on through. Okay. Oh man, this that I'm sure this is good to the listening audience. This is just my list. I added this on there a couple years ago. Of course, the audience is going to say bias, but it's evidently clear. I feel like what your choice is going to be, but it's a part of the list, so I gotta say it. SWV or Escape. SWV, hands down. Okay. Me escape. You pick SWB. He's not being biased. This is just that's his. Pick. Oh, then one is Jodeci or Boys to Men. Jodeci. Now we go. You acing it. Okay. This is. I I I got the couple bonuses in there. I was trying to make it. I was trying to find a current list of of artists that was around during your when you were born. This one, Ashanti. Eve. Or Eve. Ashanti or Eve? Oh, uh, tweet. Sorry, tweet. Uh. <laughs> uh. I mean, I'm more. I know more of Ashanti's catalog, so I'm gonna go with her. Uh, okay. Okay. The rules of the game is, if you don't pick what I pick, because I make up the rules as I go. If you don't pick what I pick, then you got exactly 15 seconds to name me. I would be nice and give you, I usually say five in 15 seconds, but I would be nice and say, give me three. You got exactly 15 seconds to name me three Ashanti songs. Go ahead. Time is starting. Go ahead. Uh, there's one like, after all the tears that I cried, that one, I'm the name of it. Uh, what's no, that one. And, um, I don't know the other one, but, yeah 
I know, I know three though. I can't name off the top of my head though. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you kind of name one, one and a half. I don't know if I should give you credit for that last one because you didn't really <laughs> say a title. You just, I don't know. Okay, I'm not gonna give you a what's wrong with you. I will give you negative 47 points. You're supposed to say tweet. It's just, I get it. Ashanti got the hits. She she was very dominant in the early 2000s. Just preference. I thought she was gonna say tweet. Just to, cause she, because she does the vocalers you like. That's gonna pick tweet. Cause she she's very much in the gospel harmonies. She has those bottom notes. I thought we I thought we were musical kindreds and we're connecting off of that. That's why I kind of threw it in there. But you didn't pick tweet. It's fine. Okay. I, I always ride for the underdog. You know. But okay. You you didn't get what's wrong with you. But you got negative forty seven points because you're supposed to pick what I picked. Okay. The next <laughs> the next one is uh, Mary J Blige or Faith Evans. Mary, Faith is, I like her, but Mary. Mary got the okay. fit. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? Those are bonuses. You know what? That don't even, you know, the bonus, it ain't gonna count anyway. So I was wanting you to pick Faith, but it don't matter. <laughs> uh, you, you're supposed to pick what I pick you. You're supposed to pick Faith, but you know, it was a bonus anyway, so it don't count. But, okay, what, what's, what's the best album? Uh, Mary and Faith's debut album or Faith and Mary's sophomore album. Who has the best of those two? Ooh, I, I tell you right now, I haven't listened to their album straight through, so <laughs> I wouldn't be able to tell you that one. Listen, you know, I truly like like the hot bench. I would uh, perceive being on a hot bench in a courtroom you know, I'm kind of taking on the role as defendant lawyer and kind of pressuring y'all to get to the truth. But, you know, it's all in fun. I love I love both artists equally, so it's no competition. I just like to, you know, spice the game up. But the conclusion of the game, I have determined there is nothing wrong with Mr. J. Michael. He won the game. Uh, he aced most of it. Pick what I pick. Sure to cash up you. The Constellation Prizes, I usually... Send everybody a dollar twenty nine cents to get them something <laughs> special at the convenience store of their choice. Very immaculate taste can give you a two dollars and twenty nine cents. So you get you want just <laughs> no. I was playing. Let's go. I'll goof it around. But thank you so much on this podcast. Of course, certain artists. Um. It is a certain artists that have uh this quality about them uh that have sort of an abstract expression of who they are like uh the annie lennox the little richards esters uh prince rick james grace jones those artists all have a abstract expression in what i call uh sort of or not sort of but they embody uh musical liberations like the selena johnson's layla hathaway's you 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 don't even associate them with their musical lineage you you just see them in their soul artistry and i really don't get excited for artists like that it's only a specific kind and i'm not blowing smoke it's just you you just have that quality my my whole platform being a music journalist is just really searching for those off that can that can tell their truth and how they envision it and execute it in terms of how they musically want it to be out in the world. And I feel like seeing your journey as it's starting, it's a beautiful thing to witness because that's where you're headed. Like I said, the, a part of that special class of musically liberated artists that make timeless ascending music and only time will tell. And if never be is the blueprint to what the J. Michael story is, then it's going to be something to foresee because for you to have be tapped into that early, a lot of people are not, like I said before, not tapped into that. And because you have such a rich uh, musical lineage, uh, 
that's going to make it even better when people just see you solely as just Jay Michael and not who the, who your family is. Like I said, the Selena Johnsons, the Layla Hathaways, I even add in Keisha Jackson, uh, daughter of, you know, R&B icon, uh, Millie Jackson, you know, it, you know, they, they've done so many great things in the music industry. I, I forget they come from musical royalty and I feel like that's where you're headed and destined to be. And so your journey is amazing to look at. And it's just, just, I mean, just in awe of what this is going to look like in 10, 15 years. Let the audience know where they can find you on social media. Uh, everyone on social media, Instagram, Twitter, at jmichael, my YouTube channel, jmichael, J-A-Y-Y-E-M-I-C-H-A-E-L, everywhere. Yeah, and much for joining the Soul Savvy's podcast. This was a treat, and I'll, I'll just talk this really, uh, everything with your YouTube channel, because you're multifaceted. The artist I mentioned before, faceted and they just tapped into it it seems like you have your vision clear and I, I i know it's going to happen that's why i'm glad i got you on for you know i got to talk to four or five people to get to you <laughs> but yeah i enjoyed enjoyed your presence on this podcast and for those listening in thank you so much and uh you tune into the soul sadness podcast once again, make sure you check out Mr. J. Michael on the upcoming Bravo reality show, Queens of R&B, featuring SWV and Escape that premieres Sunday, March 5th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And be sure to tune back into the podcast. We'll be sure to have some more great episodes for you. And we out. Whether you need to be comforted, soothed, or relaxed, soul savviness got you the ultimate getaway. You are listening to the Sounds of Soul Savviness podcast, where we are sure to put your mind, body, and soul at ease.